Hey, my name is Mark Springer. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Avatar Nutrition, and today I've got the other co-founder, Katie Coles, with me. We're going to dive into a topic today that a ton of people have struggled with, and I'm sure many people listening to this may be struggling with as well. That's the urge to binge. It's not an easy thing to overcome, but fortunately, there are things you can do about it and regain control as a result, so let's get to it. All right, so I've got Katie Coles here with me. Katie, could you speak a little bit about your background and what you do here at Avatar? Yeah, so I have my undergraduate degree in biology and I have a master's in nutrition. Uh, I'm also a registered dietitian and I'm your co-founder. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, mostly I do a lot of work with building the algorithm behind Avatar Nutrition and kind of the adjustments that tell you how much to eat. There's a lot of factors that go into that, um, and we try to stay up with the science on it. So I would say that's my primary role. I also do a lot of work with content. So um, you might have seen me in videos. Um, I've written articles in the past. Right now, I'm kind of wearing a lot of hats. I'm doing a lot of copywriting type stuff, um, building our web pages. So just, you know, that's how it is when you're in a small company, you do a lot of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So since we're talking about binging today, uh, I know this is something that you've had personal experience with in the past. Uh, when was the first time that you actually remember having a binge episode? So the first time I binged that I can recall, I was about seven years old. Um, I and, and what it was is I had these favorite foods, and when I started eating them, I just couldn't stop. Like It was almost like an addiction. And I remember, and this is probably gross to a lot of people, but it was tomato soup. We had like the family size can. And I could not stop eating it. And so I ate it until I threw up. My sister came and helped me clean it up. And then I started eating more. Like I made room for more. It was just straight tomato soup? Like yeah. The Campbell's tomato soup. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was all about it. That's intense. You don't normally hear about people binging on Campbell's tomato soup. I know. And that's at the age of seven. Hmm. Were you like restricted from having soup as a kid? No. It's just that I've always kind of had an addictive personality. When I'm doing something I like, when I'm with somebody I like, um, I tend to, I, I never get tired of people. Like I'll stay with that one person and I can just hang out forever. It's like time stops. And same with food. I love food so much. Um, I was binging all the way through college into my adult years. I just, once the party starts, I just don't want it to end, you know? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I, that, we learned something new about Katie today. <laughs> Um, so I know that you did bikini competitions, uh, and were an NPC competitor. Um, I know that when it comes to different types of physique competitions, a lot of times you'll see different types of eating disorders pop up, but how prevalent, prevalent would you say that binge eating or other eating disorders were amongst your friends who are doing bikini competitions and how did that affect you as well? Right. So I think it's interesting because a lot of the people who do those sorts of competitions uh, are the type of people who think in a very black and white way. Um, they're all one way or another and you get very hardcore. And a lot of people who started on that journey back in the day, 2006, 2007, uh, with these fitness competitions did so to hide a de eating disorder. Uh, I had a friend who had been um, in some of the eating disorder clinics several times to try to recover. And uh, it, it made her feel normal. It was a community that you could get involved in that made you feel normal for your eating disorders and that reinforced them and actually congratulated you on having them. You got all this attention and validation for 
basically starving yourself. And people would say, oh, that's so hardcore. She has so much discipline. So you could hide behind that and have that eating disorder. And for once, people are saying, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is a normal thing. They're not saying this is a disorder. So you surround yourself with those people. They reinforce it and you just go deeper and deeper into that dysfunction. So what do you think about people who might set themselves a resolution to where, you know, I'm going to get in shape this year. And this is not somebody who has a disordered eating background or even somebody who's a fitness enthusiast necessarily. Let's say that a person says, I want to do a bikini show or I want to do a men's physique competition as a goal. And then they start working out. They start going to the gym. They start training for it. And they start talking to the people who've been through it, who may be the people that you're mentioning here. Um, have you seen just people come from the regular world and the general population and start to fall down a very destructive path when it comes to disordered eating? I think a lot of it has to do with how you are inside and your mental stability as well. Um, so depending on what reason you're going into those shows, if you're going in looking for validation, um, and somebody to say that you're worthwhile and all of a sudden you lose all this weight and people are like, you look so great and you're doing it in a way that, you know, back then we didn't have flexible dieting. There was no moderation. Um, we would just go cutting out all the sorts of foods, starving yourself. Um, you get that validation and that becomes an addiction. And if so, if, if you're, there's a hole inside you and there's a void you're looking to fill, you don't love yourself, you don't feel loved. And then all of a sudden you get all this power and you suddenly start feeling good about yourself, I think that those people can fall into that hole very easily. But, you know, I've also seen others who came in, it was just a bucket list item, something they wanted to do once. They wanted to walk across the stage and just feel proud of themselves for losing 50 or 60 pounds and getting to a normal weight. These generally, for the most part, they weren't the type of people who won the shows. Um, but, you know, I, I did see some people who didn't slip into that. And But I think... If you're looking for validation and you're one of the top competitors and you're really serious about it, and back in the day, that required being able to win those shows because we didn't have the right techniques. We didn't use the right techniques like they do now with flexible dieting and counting and moderation. Um, you know, it, I would say it was extremely prevalent. I didn't know very many people who didn't, who didn't have that problem or, or a personality that swept them away and just, you know, they would fall into this disordered pattern. Mm. So going back to you, um, having experienced these different disordered patterns of eating, what was the turning point for you personally when you stopped being dominated by this urge to binge? Oh man. So I spent years binging. Um, I, I, not only did I binge through my childhood, but I can remember going to buffets with my dad in high school and I just, I wanted the party to keep going so bad after we go to the golden corral that I would continue to eat out into the parking lot. I'd go out there and spit, chew and spit, and then come back in and get more. And I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't even know that was a disorder. I thought I made all this stuff up just so I could keep eating. And then through college, I can remember like going to IHOP with friends and eating two different course meals, going out and throwing up and eating some more. And I didn't make myself throw up. It was just to the point where I was so distended. Like, so then getting into the shows, it was the first time I ever had restraint in my life where I could actually stick to a diet. And it was because I didn't love myself and I needed to win. Um, I needed to win. And once I started winning and I won my first show in California, it was, it just reinforced my negative behavior so hard because as much as I can binge and overeat, I could also completely undereat and restrict. I had a lot of restraint in that way. So it was very all or nothing. I either had a hundred percent restraint and was very rigid 
or I was going over the top binging like absolute craziness. And that's what would happen after the shows, you know, and, and I know, you know, a little bit about my history, but, um, I got to the point with these shows where I would put myself in the hospital after every show. I already knew what was coming. I couldn't stop eating after the shows. I had restricted so hard and so long and I would win, right? And everybody would be like, oh, you look so great. You look so healthy. And it was the epitome of not health. It was the opposite. It was mental instability. It was not being healthy physically. I was too skinny. And the last show, one of the last shows I did actually um, back in 2013 after nationals, I binged so hard that, and I, I couldn't stop eating. I went to the buffets in Vegas and then afterwards, um, I ate a whole cake when I got home and then I ate all these bags of popcorn. I probably what kind of cake. Oh God. I don't even remember. It was something. My roommate was a great cook. She was this Vietnamese girl that man. Oh yeah. Homemade. Oh yeah. It was homemade. She made it for me. Birthday cake from the grocery store. Holy crap. Gosh. I mean, I could do that too back then, but yeah, man, I'll tell you what, I woke her up. I was crawling on my hands and knees and vomiting like the exorcist. Like, um, and when I went to, when I went to the hospital, they did a CAT scan and the doctor came in and said, now I know why you're in so much pain. Um, I, I literally had eaten so much that the food had piled up in the lower part of my stomach and where it enters the small intestine and had compressed the blood vessels around there and cut off the blood supply to my organs. Um, so it almost killed me. And 50% of the people die who have that SMA is what the diagnosis was. They had to call someone in to read it. I was so skinny and anorexic looking. I had no visceral fat around my organs that would have protected that from happening. Um, it would have prevented the cutting off the blood supply, but there was no fat around the organs. It was just the blood vessels right there. And so the weight of the food just cut everything off and you cut off uh, that blood supply for too long, things die. So I just want to emphasize how crazy this disorder was for me. And you asked, you know, at what point did it stop? Which is a great question. Um, it stopped when I found flexible dieting. And that's one of the reasons that I was so passionate about flexible dieting and willing to throw away my safe job and come and start a new business was because I really felt that it changed my life so much. Um, I never thought that I would feel normal about food or have a healthy relationship with food. And just this whole, uh, the, the, and the, the way that flexible dieting helped was, you know, with, if you have a rigid mindset and you're constantly starving yourself and you're constantly saying this food is bad, that food is bad, you can't eat it. And the minute that you eat it, of course, it triggers a response in your brain. So much dopamine is released, right? It's like a drug. You can't stop eating it. And after shows, your appetite hormones are really wonky. Everything's off balance. It takes you a long time to feel satisfied and full. That just doesn't work for a while. So you put yourself in an environment where you know, this is going to happen. You're basically willing it to happen. And, and especially if you have other psychological issues and lack of self-love. And so, so you, you restricted so hard and then you get so hungry afterwards, like, well, with flexible dieting, I think the main reason that it helped so much is because it changed my perception of food. No longer are you categorizing food as good or bad. You're understanding what they're made of and that things can fit in moderation. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't doing things in a completely all or nothing manner. I never thought I would find balance and it helped me find that balance for the very first time. And it changed the way I looked at food completely. And I didn't have to restrict that hard anymore. I didn't have to over slash calories to lose weight or control my body. I didn't have to completely stop eating certain foods. And you know, if you take something out of your diet, you give it a lot of power. 
when you're dieting, you're always thinking about food. If you say you can't have something, you're always going to think about that thing. Right. So now you're going to really get to a point where you can start to distinguish binging from overeating. Because once you have a healthy relationship with food, you can start to see things a little bit differently. Let's say that, for example, you are tracking macros, you're using the flexible dieting approach, and you hit a point where at the end of the day, you, you're in range for where you need to be with protein, with fat, with carbs, and then you really want to eat a bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And so if you have this ultra-restricted mindset, I mean, I guess you don't need to be ultra-restricted, but you could just kind of cut yourself off from doing it and say, you know what, I, I, I want it, but I'm not going to have it. Or... You might say, you know what? I want that ice cream. And so you eat that bowl of ice cream and now you're like 70 grams over in your carbs and you're 25 over in fat, but you understand that, you know what? I ate more than was allotted for today, but it's no big deal mm-hmm. because I still have the rest of my life. <laughs> if I'm actively trying to lose weight, I can make up for that by slightly reducing my intake on the subsequent days before the next check-in. And so if you want to have a little bit more on a certain day, you can totally do that. And you're not psychologically beating yourself up, which is a huge, huge important point to really get across is if you're restricting and you tell yourself, you know what, I can't have this ice cream. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then you start to eat it. Instead of having like a cup, you might have a half gallon right? Cause you're just going to go overboard. And the next day you're going to think of yourself as a failure. Cause you really screwed up. Oh no, I ate all that ice cream that wasn't supposed to. And then you just kind of spiral down, down, down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think that's a very important thing is to be able to distinguish the difference between, you know, I ate a little more than I was supposed to, or I let it turn into just an absolutely destructive binge. So when was the last time that you personally had a binge episode? Well, I think that you brought up a good point about trying to distinguish between overeating and actually binging. And that binge is going to be where you feel a total lack of control, a lack of power, um, willpower, lack of ability to stop, right? And and you're eating a lot of food in a very, very, very short window. Um, and, and overeating, a lot, a lot of us overeat, right? And I still overeat to this day, but actually not that often. It's amazing how just understanding what food is made out of and learning to have that moderation and saying to myself that it's okay and having compassion with myself about that and and the mental approach to food will completely change everything for me. Now, I think an important point to make is people need to identify what the triggers are, right? Because there's some people who eat because they're, you know, they're feeling something emotional. Um, maybe they're really sad. Maybe they're really depressed. Right. Um, and it may, or maybe you're just eating because you're bored, but a lot of people will try to eat their feelings. And I don't think that flexible dieting is really as helpful in those cases with that sort of trigger. You know, that's something you need cognitive behavioral therapy for. Um, you need to get to the bottom of, of, of why you're, why you feel the need to, fill that void with food. Okay. So I think we have to draw a line there, but for me, flexible dieting was so powerful because it turns out, uh, that my trigger was the way I was approaching food and the all or nothing mentality, the good, bad mentality, just categorizing the food. And in combination with that over dieting for so long, and I know that's something we're going to get, uh, we're going to get into here a little bit, but over dieting is a huge trigger for, uh, for binging. So for me, 
flexible dieting really did solve the problem. And I don't think I've ever had an actual binge eating episode since 2000, 2013. Yeah. So there was really uh, a physiological trigger for you because you were over dieting and being able to shift your mindset to not over diet like you were, would you say that that's the leading contributing factor to be able to get past binges personally? You know what? For it was, and usually it's not just one thing for people. For me, it was a combination of things, um, but primarily I would say, yeah, it was the physical hunger, mm-hmm. just over restricting. But it, it was a deadly combination when you look at that approach to eating and my very rigid approach. Um, which was that last supper mentality, like I like to call it, where you kind of feel like, God, I screwed up on this. I fell off the wagon. I ate a food I wasn't supposed to eat, one of these bad foods. And then it's like you gave that food so much power and you wanted it for so long and you'd been craving it that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go all the way. I'm going to enjoy today. If I'm going to be bad, man, I'm going to be really bad. And tomorrow I'm going to be 100% good. So you're 100% one way or you're 100% the other. And you put that in combination with being really hungry, and it's game over. Um, and that's, you know, one thing I want to emphasize that those of you guys out there who do have a problem with binge eating is it's important to be aware of why you're doing it. And I think for so long, I wasn't aware of that at all. I was just kind of operating automatically. But if you sit down and the minute you have the urge to binge or you start to binge and you say, okay, what am I feeling right now? What happened in the moments leading up to this? What happened during the day leading up to this? Identify whether this is an emotional thing for you um, or whether you actually feel your body and notice, are you hungry? How was your approach to food been? Like you really have to have a lot of self-awareness to get to the bottom of this and then understand how to treat it or if you need to get help. Yeah, so I think most of what we can really help people with and provide information, especially on this show, is for people who are feeling hungry. Right. And people who might be a chronic dieter, because so many people, the majority of the year, they'll be in some kind of I'm trying to lose weight mode. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who live that as as their normal in life. And really, if you want to have a sustainable approach where you have good progress, you can keep and hold on to, you want to take your your dieting in phases. If you have a lot of weight to lose, you can start tracking your macros and get down. And eventually, you're going to see reductions in your targets because your needs are changing over time. And eventually, you're going to hit a point where towards the end of your diet, you're feeling hungry and hungry and hungrier. And you're like, I can't go on on these low calories. But there's now a fork in the road. So you can either continue trying to force yourself to lose weight on super low calories and wind up feeling deprived and hungry all the time. And because you're in that hungry mode, you're putting yourself at risk for for binging and having a cheat day or just really going overboard. And the other path that you could take is like, you know what? I'm happy with the 40 or 50 pounds that I lost on this go around. And now I'm going to reverse diet my way back up to a place where I'm comfortable with what I'm eating to maintain that progress. And then once you're, you've had a nice psychological break, you can go back into fat loss mode and continue chipping away at what you have left to lose and just follow that pattern until you're at the end point that you've been aiming for But um, when it comes to the different things that we can really help out with and provide you with logical pointers on, we've actually got a little list of things that we can talk about here that we put into place. Um, And these are things that Katie's helped work on and make sure that they're a part of our own system. So one of the first ones is something called high and low days. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So to your point, um, there's a lot of things you can do to give yourself the illusion of having more food or give yourself a psychological break from dieting. 
um, to your point, I think it's really important that people understand that there is a breaking point in the brain where you've dieted for so long, you just can't stick to, to these low calories anymore and you shouldn't be trying to. You're just banging your head against a wall because you're fighting your physical body and, and your brain. Um, so I think it's important, like you said, to do phasic dieting, to have diet breaks, right? Um, and, and if you're doing shows that you're not doing too many in a year and that you give yourself substantial time in between when it comes to, uh, other ways actually during the dieting process that you can, um, help prevent binges, like you said, setting up refeed days, giving yourself that psychological break from dieting, even if it's only one or two days a week, um, having those high calorie days, which we do do with avatar, you know, we allow you to set the magnitude of those days as well. Um, so there's personalization and that's, that's really important. It's really important to personalize diet so that you can stick to it. And not everybody is going to be the same. I know people who don't have urges to binge, um, and they can sit on those same low calories every day of the week. But if you're giving yourself a day to look forward to in a day where you're like, man, I'm not in a deficit. Like I actually feel good. I have energy. Um, and then you can dive back in. So that's so important. And, and we do allow that on the system. Um, and our intermittent fasting feature, I think that there's something to be said for that. Giving yourself the illusion of just having more food by squeezing your meals into a smaller window of time. I know for myself during when I was training for shows, um, I, at that time we would do six to seven meals a day. It was very bro. This is like, you know, 12 years ago. Um, and these bite-sized meals, they were probably like, gosh, seven meals of like 200 calories a piece you just open the floodgates and start eating and now you're just starting to feel hungry, but you're not satisfying that. You're only eating a couple hundred calories at the time. So you're eating like every three hours, but you find yourself constantly thinking about food and never being satisfied. I would rather fast for a long period, which I started doing towards the end of my career in 2012, 13 and 14, um, where I wouldn't start eating until noon or 1 p.m. even. And then I could have like three you know, much larger meals that were very satisfying. And I was able to think about food less because I know during that window of time where you're not eating, um, you're, you know that you're not eating. Oh, I'm not going to be able to eat for a while. It's not like you're looking at your watch constantly thinking about food. Whereas when you have those seven bite-sized meals, you're constantly waiting for it. Your whole life revolves around food. That's going to set you up for a problem. Right. And don't uh, your hunger hormones really pick up after your first meal? Yeah. So, well, I mean, when you go a long time without eating, typically like ghrelin is going to rise and spike and you're going to feel really hungry, you know, leptin drops. There's that component. And I think when you're fasting, it's a, it's a lot easier. It's just a lot easier to manage. And I'm not sure that we've really, that there's really a lot of research on that that I'm aware of. Um, there's still a lot more research to be done with intermittent fasting. All I can speak to is anecdotally. And so I'm not going to claim it's scientific, but, um, your body almost gets used to fasting. And that's what people have said throughout like the literature, just subjectively at first you're really starving, but then after a little bit, your body gets used to it and it's able to level things out better. So it's something that you acclimate to. So for those of you guys who are looking into trying intermittent fasting, understand that at first it might be a little bit of a struggle, but you do get used to it. And then it can be a powerful tool to help you keep your calories in control. And, and like I said, just give you the illusion of having more food and the psychological component to dieting it it's so important and not uh, enough people are talking about it yeah it's a it's an extremely powerful tool i can speak to that myself anytime that i've ever tried to do fat loss or drop down like we did the youtube thing the rip for rugby 
the only way that I can stay on fat loss mode is if I'm doing intermittent fasting because I love to eat. I just like food a lot and I hate, hate, hate being hungry. So if I can do something that helps me feel like I'm not quite in diet mode, I'm going to jump all over it. And so that's what I would do personally is have just a whole bunch of black coffee in the morning and I would just keep drinking coffee until it was time to eat. I'd usually start eating around noon to one and I would stop eating around seven, seven thirty. And yeah. that was my eating window. And if I was, I was, well, I say only, I was only having like 2,900 calories <laughs> to me. That's, that's yeah. not eating enough. Yeah. But, um, I, and one more thing. I think that you brought up something kind of cool, like the coffee. It's funny, like five years ago when I was looking into the literature on whether caffeine is actually an appetite suppressant, there really wasn't a lot of data to back that up. I'm like, really? Because it feels so strong. Now, caffeine does have the effect of um, kind of carb sparing, right? And and increasing fat oxidation. So maybe that has something to do with like the effects in your brain. I'm not sure, but anecdotally, that's another thing that I would do training for shows. It's like, man, I didn't feel hungry for the longest time. And just eating protein without eating carbohydrates. Um, I think if you're in a, and if you're in a steep calorie deficit, like you are for shows and in the first place, you're going to be producing more ketone bodies. Even if you're not on a ketogenic diet, people think that you're all one way or the other, like, oh, um, like you have to in order to produce any ketones in your blood, you have to be on a ketogenic diet, not eating any carbohydrates. That's not true. If you are eating fewer calories, that level is going to go up a little bit. Now, are you in ketosis? Is that the sole fuel that your body is using? No, but they are at higher levels in your blood. They're in there all the time at, at some level, but um, they're much higher when you're dieting. And that also will have an appetite suppressing effect when you combine it with fasting and not eating carbohydrates uh, for quite a long period during that fast, and that could also be um, it, that could also be increasing this you know appetite suppressing effect. You combine that with caffeine, you know. There's ways to be strategic, but one of the things I'm really excited about is that new feature with Avatar, the intermittent fasting feature, which we released. And and what it does is it allows you guys, if you decide you want to intermittent fast. Um, it shows up on your tracker, right? So you, you choose that as an option. I want to intermittent fast. And then that little window of time shows up on your tracker. You can adjust the window of time. You can make it a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. Um, I think it's anywhere, but you can make it as long as 12 hours, your eating window, or as short as four, right? So it's a little bit of personalization and it sits right there on your tracker. And um, if you're adding food to the log outside of the eating window, it's going to let you know. So it's just kind of holds you accountable or we're gonna make the message a little less angry sounding because right now it's like you're adding food outside of your eating window exclamation point (laughs) it's like hey just so you know (laughs) you're out of your eating window it it looks a little harsh right now people love the accountability too i think you know it's like you can't be (laughs) this is this is like goons waiting outside in the parking lot with crowbars accountability (laughs) but um yeah, so just I think another thing that we that we really need to talk about too is just that long-term shift in mindset. So a lot of people are in this forever dieting mindset. And if you can start thinking about, you know what, I really want to start thinking about increasing my strength, increasing my performance, maybe building some muscle and just taking the nice long slow approach to that. So doing something like an extended conservative reverse diet over the course of the better part of a year where you really focus on getting your lifts up and at the same time the amount of energy that you're taking in is steadily and slowly increasing. And so 
all the inefficiencies or all the efficiencies that are really cranked up by your body when you're in a low calorie state start to go back to normal. Um, things like your NEAT, which is just an acronym for non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is a very fancy way of saying like bouncing your knee and fidgeting and wiggling around. Just the things that you stop doing when you're dieting, those start to kind of turn back on. But if your performance is increasing, you're able to move around more, you have more energy, you're doing more activities. In general, it's going to take more energy for you to maintain um, your body and your current body mass. So if you take a long and extended approach to a reverse diet or a muscle building phase where you are training more, you're building more new lean body mass, it's going to take more energy just to sustain that. And so if you get to a point where it takes more energy to sustain you, you have more room to work with in terms of your total calories. So you get to eat more and you actually need to eat more in order just to maintain where you're at. And that's a really good place to be, especially for people who have been chronic dieters. So instead of dieting most of the year, maybe you should work on increasing your performance and really trying to build up your strength and, and build up the the effectiveness of your body to move through the world mm -hmm. instead of always trying to reduce, reduce, reduce. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. Something I was thinking about while you were talking, um, because I think you made that point really well and I don't really need to touch on that anymore. As you had mentioned earlier that the number one thing we can help people with is, um, the physical side, like telling people that they need to reverse and that they don't need to be in a deficit all the time and helping people get out of that deficit using our system. But I think that something that we do so powerfully is we help people understand what it means, what moderation means, right? Mm -hmm. So many people have never experienced that, especially people who are athletes or fitness competitors or that sort of thing. They're very hardcore. They know how to work really hard. And when they do something, they go all the way. So these, these folks tend to be very competitive and they're one way or the other. We actually teach people what moderation looks like and how to implement that in your life. And I think we really need to talk about the flexibility of the system, you know, because we are training you not just to look at food in a different way where it's no longer bad or good. We're training you not to feel guilty if you overeat because our system has all these special features like moving targets where you can overeat one day and you can still see progress because if you track that in your log, we'll actually automatically change your targets for the next day and tell you to eat less so that you're kind of making up for that in a way. So you know there's always tomorrow to fix things. So you, you don't have this all or nothing mentality like, ah, I screwed up on this day and completely went over. So you know what? The rest of my week is shot and I'm just going to overeat or do whatever, right? So we actually account for that right yeah because I mean everybody's going to screw up and what you have to understand is that if you are and throwing finger quotes up screwing up you're really not messing up because it's just part of the journey sometimes you eat more than you had planned for the day but no big deal because you can make up for that in the long run I and mean, it's just like when you're in school let's say that you're in english class and you flunk a quiz you know, oh no, I flunked a quiz. <laughs> Does that mean that it's the end of your academic career? No. I mean, you can study, you can do your homework, you can do other things to help boost your grade back up because there's not a ton of people who went through school and made nothing but A's all the time forever on everything, but most people ended up passing. And so that's kind of how your diet is, right? It's not, um, 
it's a pass fail course. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it really funny. Is. It's funny how personalities though lead to these binge eating disorder type things because I did get all A's. All A's. All the way through grad school perfect four point. Graduated valedictorian. That's how much I'm all one way or the other. And when it comes to binge eating disorder, here my point is that rigid strategies um, are associated with these eating disorder symptoms and being heavier in general. Because of that whole last supper mentality where you feel like you screwed up and so you might as well go all the way because you're really so harsh with yourself. You're not compassionate with yourself. You're like, I am bad. I might as well just, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. I'm just going to keep being bad. I think that we have to change our approach to eating. That's like I said, that's something that we do so powerfully in terms of showing you guys weekly averages and showing you how you can go a little higher on some days and lower on others and make up for it, how you can substitute out fat and carbs. If you happen to go way over on one day, it's still okay. We're holding your hand and we're telling you that it's okay, but you have to be aware of that as well, which is why I'm talking about it. Yes, we can, we have all these features that help you do that, but it's going to be so important that you're thinking about that. You're becoming aware of how you're feeling, aware of this thing within you that, that either is one way or completely the other. And I think it's a really important to work on that and, and, and have more compassion with yourself. Yeah. It's all about be the tortoise, not the hare. Right, because if you're looking for a shortcut and you're trying to starve yourself to weight loss, you're probably going to be setting yourself up for a, a binge type problem because you're going to be making yourself extremely hungry. And if you're extremely hungry and extremely restrictive, um, odds are you're going to be more susceptible to binging. And if you're binging, you're probably going to put weight back on um, because that's that's the, the, the psych, one of the big psychological components of a binge is the restriction. And so the only way that you could possibly be in extreme fat loss mode is to over restrict your calories. And if you're trying to lose a lot of weight, like let's say that you're a really big person and you're trying to lose more than a hundred pounds. If you go down to 600 calories a day or something just insanely low and you try to sustain that for an extended period, it's probably not the best of ideas. You know, actually I, I really feel like it depends upon the person. Um, and, and people are listening to this, to your point, probably because they have a problem binge eating. So yes, for, for folks who have those sorts of issues and you know, you have an inclination to get hungry and overeat and, and that's going to take you off your path. Yes, I would agree with that. But there are some people, and I've known some people who have had a lot of weight to lose, like a hundred pounds and went on pretty low calorie diets for like two months, lost a ton of weight. And then, you know, were able to keep that off because they reverse dieted correctly. And those people had no problem with it. And in people who are morbidly obese, um, I actually, and can handle it and they don't let those mental triggers get to them. Um, I, I think that that's a perfectly fine way to lose weight for people who have that much weight to lose. It can act as a motivator. Seeing weight come off that quickly, um, can make you feel like, man, I'm seeing results. I really want to stick to this and it can actually increase your adherence. But yeah, that's for a certain I know, type think, of mentality, Think about the though. biggest loser people, mm. NBC, right? Mm -hmm. These are all very big people who had a lot of weight to lose, mm -hmm. and they were losing weight at a breakneck pace. Mm -hmm. And what happened to almost all of them? They didn't, they didn't afterwards because it's a competition, oh, right? Oh, yeah, they gained it all back. Right, but because it's a competition, and I bet these type of people are the type of people who want to compete, they may have had more psychological factors that would lead to binging after they're done, um, they also overworked them a lot. So 
what I'm referring to with morbidly obese people, it's not like they went crazy with exercise as well. It wasn't a competition where you have a lot of money to win, a lot of fame at stake. Um, so of course, like those people who were on The Biggest Loser, they're going to go hard when they go. There's a lot at stake. And then afterwards, if you're not taught the correct strategies to increase your calories back to a level where you're eating a reasonable amount, um, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And compounding that, though, is the insane amount of activity that they did. There is no way you're going to be able to sustain that level of activity when you go back to the real world. You have someone barking at you. You're on a TV show. So, you know, there's, there's going to be extra pressure to stick to things. You don't have that when you come off. So I think it's a very artificial environment and it's very hard to um, try to say that that extrapolate those results and apply that to the general population. Well, so back in the day um, in Tampa, when I was doing that thing at UFIT, right, uh, I would talk to literally every new member who came into that gym and almost every single one of them had the same story. It got to the point where I could tell people their own story when they walked through the door and people thought I was a psychic. I'm like, no, I'm just observant. <laughs> so, uh, and, the, and the story was typically that people would at some point in their life try to lose weight. They would seriously restrict their calories. They would cut back. They would do some kind of a cleanse or detox or something like that. But it was all, it always came down to seriously reducing their calories and they would see success. They would lose a lot of weight and then they would go back to what they thought was normal. And then when they go back to what they think is normal, there actually is a large gap in between what their energy expenditure and energy intake is. And they start gaining weight back. And once, well, I, I worked so hard, I tried so hard. And now I see weight coming back on. Mm -hmm. This is pointless. Why am I even mm -hmm. trying? And then they just and so they up. just fall off and they yeah. gain all the weight back and usually a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of normalizes, but slightly higher than where they first started. Mm -hmm. And that is the case for so many people. Yep. And if that sounds familiar to you, this is part of why we made avatars to help you out because we've seen that pattern and know how to break it. And I'm sure it sounds familiar to People, or it, it sounds familiar because if it hasn't happened to you, I'm sure it's happened to somebody you know because it is a s extremely common thing that people go through. But it's generally this whole idea of crashing and rebounding. And so while there are some people who can effectively do that crash diet strategy, yeah. by no means are they the norm. No, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would just say that nothing's off limits. But, right. you know, everybody's a little bit different. So there's going to be that yeah, small portion different. that is fine with that. But you're right. The majority of people, it trains you to crash diet and then bounce back. Crash diet, bounce back. You certainly don't want a yo-yo diet. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's some, some people named Ray Williams who can squat over a thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most people, when they put a thousand pounds in the back, would get squished. But uh, anyway, so we hope that you enjoyed this show. It's always fun having a conversation on. We'll be doing more of these. And uh, this topic about binging was actually brought up in comments. And if you would like to have us talk about something that's specifically interesting to you, just make sure that you're checking us out on other social media platforms or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and just say, hey, you know, we listened to the podcast, thought it was great. Or, hey, we listened to the podcast. You guys need to do better. <laughs> just whatever your thoughts are, just uh, definitely share. And we'd love to hear your feedback and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Uh, make sure that you are following this on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you enjoy it and found it useful, definitely share it with your friends. So we will be talking to you soon and have an awesome day.